Design New Podcast, Episode 48. Hi guys, it's Tina Murray here and welcome to the Design You podcast. I've been working for a year or so now with the Africa Sunrise Foundation and we work with schools to help educate kids. But there's a bigger point for this um, and why I became very involved is because most of the schools that we work with don't have toilets and this affects education in more ways than you would ever, ever have imagined. So for instance, at one of the schools where there is someone in the community who will let the students use their toilet... Uh, the teacher has to leave the classroom with a child every time they need to go to the bathroom. So it means one child going to the toilet is leaving 29 kids unattended in a classroom. And so imagine if this keeps happening throughout the day, the long-term effects that has on the education levels of some of those kids in that classroom. I'm also really passionate about it because unfortunately menstruating girls often won't attend school because they've got nowhere to change for that week a month when they have their period. So imagine that, missing a quarter of your schooling and the long-term implications of that. So I support Africa Sunrise Foundation. I go out and speak about it. If you would like me on your show or to come to your community to have a chat with you about it, I would love to do that. And also, please jump on our Facebook page. It's Africa Sunrise Foundation and like and support us so you can see the good work that we're doing to bring education to kids in Ghana. Are you ready to create the life you really want? Welcome to the Design You Podcast, where I talk to everyday people who know life can be done differently with a clear mindset, positive attitude, openness to growth, and their willingness to take life to the next level. Get ready to design you. Alison Donaghy is a radio host of Think Opposite and the author of international best-selling book, Think Opposite, Using the Domino Effect to Change Your Business, Change the World. She's a speaker and a cause and effect strategist, and she will expand your mind in ways you just didn't think were possible. Her latest project, hashtag my part movement, empowers us through accountability. When we can own our part in every situation, that's when we find freedom. Join me as I chat with Alison about my part. Hey, Alison, welcome to the Design You podcast. How are you? I am well. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. What I would love to know is what are you doing right now to design your best life? Mm. Well, I'm talking to fascinating people like you, which is always a great way. I think I think designing our best life comes so much from surrounding ourselves from really interesting, cool, mm. like-minded people. Mm. Um, because I think it creates a space where we can really step into our own amazingness. Mm. Uh, so yes, you are one of the things that I'm doing <laughs> to um, have a better anything. Yeah. Well, talk to me about this amazingness. So the way you said that, it sounds like we've all got this amazing part of us that we need to share with the world. How do we yeah. find that? Tell us more about what that means for you. Sure. I'm actually working on a course right now called um, Hashtag My Part. So I want to create a My Part movement <laughs> because I believe our empowerment comes from our accountability. And when we can be accountable for things, then we can actually own all of it. And there's a power that comes along with that and a freedom. And I think one of the steps in doing that is getting to the place of understanding what our 
worth is and understanding that we can't get it from somewhere else. We have to get it from inside. Mm. And so when we, we recognize that we were born worthy, all we have to do is get back to what our soul already knows. And when you think about it, you know, this little tiny sperm <laughs> beat out all of these other little tiny sperm to find an egg in the middle of like this, I don't know, unknown land in our uterus. And yep. through that, we were born mm. like against all odds. So by the very fact that we are a miracle by nature, we should not happen. Like the odds are not in our favor. We have this worthiness. And then, you know, our parents are like, well, can't you be more like your sister? Can't you be more quiet? Can't you be more athletic? Can't you be smarter? We go to school and our parents are all doing this, or school teachers are doing the same thing and not to blame them. It's just how we go through life. And then the media is saying, well, if you were blonder or skinnier or had bigger boobs or whatever the case may be, and we're constantly being told we're not good enough. So then we try to satiate that by um, doing what other people think we should be doing, Mm. um, becoming more valuable in their eyes and getting our worth outside. Mm. But when we can get our worth inside, that is where the magic happens. And that's where we can get in touch with maybe what we should be doing in the world. And we've all heard that before. We all know that. We all know that we should love ourselves before we can love anybody else. <laughs> How do you get there, though? Um, I think the the easiest route, the fastest route, is just to say all of these choices that have led me to here have been my choices. Like, mm-hmm. this is all me. Good, mm-hmm. bad, ugly, fantastic, beautiful, messy. It's all me. And it, And when we can say these terrible things happened in my life, but I chose to make the decisions I made to get me there Mm -hmm. without blame or shame. And that's the key Mm -hmm. uh, because this isn't about finger pointing. It's about stopping the finger pointing. Mm -hmm. Once we can get to that place where we're like, this, this is me. I made these decisions for whatever reason, owning that, I think gets us back in touch with what our worth is, our inherent worth. Mm. And that's Mm -hmm. a process though, because especially if it's something which has, meant that there's been ongoing trauma for us on a personal level that's that's a huge thing it's not just an easy fix so what can what sort of tools are you talking about that can help us to to make that an easier more gentle process for ourselves I start with the easy stuff, <laughs> right? Um, and then move into the things that are a bit more difficult. You're having a part of an argument with your partner and then it's like, okay, so what is, start first with what is my part in this? Like, mm. why am I fighting so hard about this? Why is this important to me? Why do I need you to agree with me? Why do I need you to give me my self-worth? Mm. Once we can start seeing those patterns, it becomes so much easier. And then we can tackle the tough ones, right? So, and it doesn't, you're driving to work, you stopped at a red light, somebody rear ends you. You can go, oh my God, these terrible things happen to me all the time. This wasn't my fault. Mm-hmm. You can live in the space of victim, or you can say, well, I chose to have that second cup of coffee, which led me out the door later than normal, which got me stopped at this red light. I was part of the process to get me here. Mm. Now your relationship with the accident is different. Yeah. Doesn't mean dude shouldn't pay for the damages. Yeah. Doesn't mean, you know, you have to feel bad about the fact that you stopped at that red light, but it is about saying, huh, I participated in this accident somehow. Mm. Uh, and we can proceed differently. And it also, go ahead. 
Yeah, it also means that when we get out of that car to deal with that person who's hit us, it is a whole different conversation we're having because it's not coming out with anger and blame and how dare you. It's coming out with, okay, what can we do to solve this? Yeah. You are actually the first person that has said that. (laughs) So like high five to you. (laughs) (laughs) Like you shortcutted that like crazy. That was fantastic. (laughs) I love it. Um, Because it is so true. It's that Mm. um, we get to show up more neutral. Mm. Every situation we bump into is now not emotionally charged. Mm. Um, And we don't need to anything from that other person than just to say, Hey, are you okay? And when are you paying to get this fixed? Yeah. Right? Like it's, yeah. um, it, it takes all of that stuff out, but it is, it's a process for sure. Mm. And accountability. Talk, talk to us more about that. Are there rules about how we can make ourselves more accountable? Can we be accountable to our accountability? What is it that <laughs> to do it? <laughs> oh gosh. You know, I think the, the, the truest thing about accountability is just stopping and saying, what's my part? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's you an know, easy question. I, it's great. Yeah. If you can start every conversation with that, every mm-hmm. situation, first look at yourself. Um, and that centers us. I think that gives us perspective. Mm-hmm. I, I think we are allowed to come from a more kind and caring place because we get to be gentle with ourselves because we do the best we can. Mm. Um, and then we get to be gentle with the other people as well. And, you know, the number of parents that I've heard say, oh, my horrible teenager. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not like a one person relationship there, right? There's always things that we could do. And I remember coming home, my son was on the couch and he was, I don't know, 13 ish. And he's like, Hey mom. And I was like, "Ooh." <laughs> And he didn't do anything. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm horrible. But it was at that moment that I realized that his teenage years were at least 50% me and how I responded to him and whatever weird smells he was giving off that I didn't pick up on. I don't know. But um, once I was able to say, okay, what's my part in this? Because he did nothing. He was just sitting on the couch. Uh, so it applies to everything, everywhere. It, um, and the tough issues too, the ones that are really, really hard to, to talk about. You know, I, I gave a speech earlier this year about when I was sexually assaulted in high school. And, and even then I had to get to that place and say, what was my part in that? Not to shame myself or blame myself, but to get perspective Mm-hmm. And to get freedom from that situation. Was what he did right? No. Did me acknowledging my part in it absolve him? Mm. No. I did it for me. Mm. Um, but I would never have been able to, I think, get past it without that step. Mm. It's interesting because especially when you were talking about the bit about your son, but maybe with a little bit of what you've just shared about your sexual assault as a teenager, there's a level of an acceptance I feel is coming through with some of what you're saying as that some of that accountability comes. It just sounds like there's, okay, your son was just sitting on the couch. He was smelly that day because that's what teenage boys might be like. (laughs) But it's an acceptance of that and saying, okay, I actually can't change that part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when I, when I can recognize how I am responding, Mm. Then I can actually, I'm at choice on how I want to proceed. 
Mm. Otherwise, I'm just in reaction mode. I'm just like, oh my God, get off the couch, go to your room, right? When I'm recognizing that it's me, I get to go, where is that coming from? What is what is coming up for me? Yeah. And then I get to say, oh, hey, honey, how was your day? <laughs> right? So how do you process all of that? I know some people use journals, some people meditate, some people go for a run. What is it that we can use to help us process that? Because as you said, you know, you're looking at your son and you're going, okay, well, why is that triggering me? Which mm-hmm. comes back to you. And there's some deeper stuff usually when when we're triggered that much. So <laughs> <laughs> understatement of the year. Uh, how can we- <laughs> How can we get, how can we start to pull that apart and see it for those layers that it is? Um, I think first step is to just be really gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And because we all process information differently, the solution is going to be different. Some people, it will help to journal. Um, Some people want to maybe break it down um, through like family constellation work, like where in my DNA is this coming from? Um, For me, it's just pausing. When I find myself in a situation, it's just like, oh, I'm feeling some reaction here. So I'm going to say thank you because there's something I'm going to learn from this. And it's an opportunity for me to to make better choices and in my opinion, be a better person, a better version of myself. Mm. And so for me, I just pause, try to catch myself before I get that verbal (laughs) diarrhea happening and just do that. Okay, what's going on? And what choices did I make to get myself here? Mm. Some people need a bit more time reflecting or they want to meditate on it. Meditating doesn't work for me. I just get bored. And, and so then I actually, it says the reverse. I start just, you know, beating up on myself. And, um, but there are people who clearly it works really, really well for. So um, I think it's once you recognize it, then you're going to figure out the ways of better processing it. Mm. And, and the, the no shame, no blame part is so critical, mm. right? Like if you get in that, if you're in the red light and you're getting hit by that guy and you start thinking what your part is, you're not going to go, I was so stupid for having that other cup of coffee. I was so stupid for buying a red car. If I had a truck, maybe it would have happened. Like you don't do that. You're just like, okay, I drove myself here. Mm. Right. And then you can proceed as you would. So that, but we're conditioned to blame and shame. Mm because it makes people feel good to blame other people. That's interesting. I think that's such a fallacy. I think we've, we've come to believe that, that in better in putting down someone else, that it makes us feel better. And it actually doesn't. It's just such a reaction to our own self-worth. And it's just, to me, it just compounds that shaming ourselves. Uh, Yes. Um, I believe the benefit is short term. I believe what it does is it gives us this burst of I'm right and you're wrong. Mm. Um, And that feels like a powerful place, Mm. yet it's an illusion because you're a bit out of control and therefore you can't be powerful and out of control at the same time. Yeah. Um, And so I believe it's a real thing. I just don't believe it's a long-term solution. Yeah. Sometimes it does feel really good to tell someone they're an ass, <laughs> you know, and as much as I would not like to think it feels good, sometimes it just does yep. um, for a variety of different reasons. Sometimes our self-worth is feeling a little bit low. And so we're trying to steal someone's energy. And sometimes it's just in order to just 
B, we just have to say you're a dick. Like I can't. (laughs) (laughs) So where does ego come into all of this, especially when we're talking about our self-worth? Do you think Mm. that reaction thing, you know, like no matter how perfect we are, we're always going to have ego and there's going to be times we're like, but what about me? Um, But how does that all fit into the accountability, the self-worth and how our ego plays out for us? Oh, our ego is such a big player in all of it, right? Because I think it's often external um, worth that feeds our ego. Mm-hmm. And so if you say, oh, Allison, like, I just love what you've done with your company, then my ego gets involved and I get to go, oh, check me out, right? Um, and then because it feels good to my ego, now I want Joe Blow down the street to think I'm worthy in this way, or I want my son to act in a certain way to make me look better to my neighbors, or, you know, because then that ego is constantly pulling in this worth from somewhere else. Um, I think we can retrain our ego to not need that to be in a more neutral space mm-hmm. so that it's nice. Like, and thank you if you say that about my company, but it's not going to affect my self-worth either way. Mm. Uh, But when my self-worth starts to go, the ego raises and your opinion of me matters more. Mm. So Mm -hmm. how did you come involved with all of this? I mean, there's there's so much in all of this that, you know, it's a lifetime journey for sure. (laughs) Yeah, it has been, you know, I've had some pretty interesting experiences. You know, I was a young mother. I was a single mother. Um, I dated a guy who relapsed into drug addiction. And so that was a really difficult time. And then he passed away and I was on welfare and I started my own company. And so there's been so many things that have happened. And I think I am probably predisposed to think about things. Like I tend to want to see what's on the other side of the coin. Mm -hmm. And so I'm that, yeah, but could this be true too? Mm-hmm. And yeah, but that's <laughs> also true. And so I've always spent an awful lot of time in that place. And then I started working with people and their businesses around seeing things differently. I wrote a book about, you know, how we can use our business to be more effective in the world. Um, I have the radio show. And so just, I think the interaction that I'm having with people and then there'd be, they started asking me questions about it and then it's just developed into something And then I gave the speech called My Part earlier in the year, the one that I was talking about earlier. And then people started coming out and saying, what is that? Like, how is that? And then I got talking to my friend about how it's all tied to worth. And she has a PhD in spirituality. And she was like, whoa, like this, this is something. And so now there's a course coming. And so uh, I get to talk to great people like you. And it's been such um, a cool thing. But I think it's like most things in our life, we just bumble along and then there's something. Yeah. But you've bumbled along doing really from what I'm hearing, tuning into who you are, this thing about, I always want to see what's on the other side of the coin is something that is obviously very innate for you. And I love how a lot of the people I speak to on this show, that's what it comes down to. They're actually doing this stuff which is innate, which they're passionate about, just without even trying to be passionate about it. (laughs) It just comes easily and they're curious about it. But what have you discovered about other people? You, you You can see things. There's always different ways to look at it. 
and there must be ways to teach that because that's what you're doing now and I'd love to hear Mm -hmm. what those are but do people when you're first talking about that do a lot of us have trouble seeing that there might be another way to see something uh I think for like the first 30 seconds okay because we're programmed to be like no this is my way this is my safety blanket this is you know my family thinks this way and Um, And then when we start having conversations and they understand that they don't get to lose who they are Mm -hmm. by um, exploring something else, like I have this concept called think opposite, where we suspend our belief, we consider the opposite so that we can proceed with some perspective. Doesn't mean we have to change our mind. It's just Mm -hmm. acknowledging that there is more out there than Mm -hmm. just what we figured out. Mm -hmm. And usually there's um, sort of a lessening of the reins with people when they start going, oh, so I still get to be okay and disagree with you. Mm. Um, and, and it's just, it's really interesting. I, I have the, I really do end up with having great conversations with people and, and often it's the forest and the trees kind of situation. We are always so in our stuff mm. that it's so hard to see that there's another way. So when somebody comes along and says, and people do it for me too, like I'm not, you know, the guru here or anything. Um, but when somebody comes along and says, um, are you sure it's not like a victim thing going on there? And you get to go, Oh God, it totally is. And that's what gets back to what I was saying at the beginning of the show. That's why it's so important to have people who, mm. you know, like yourself, where you can have these kind of conversations and um, really get an honest um, insight. Mm. And I see, I think that the advantage I've had as an interior designer is I go into people's companies and put forward a solution for their whatever it is that they need to be changed. And, you know, just from an easy point of view, someone might hate the colour green and I've put forward the colour green. It doesn't dismiss all the space planning I've done, which means people walk through it a certain way and all that. But because the person doesn't like green and that's in the scheme, they might hate the whole scheme. And so I think what it's taught me and a big part of what you're saying is, number one, people's opinions are are valuable. Doesn't mean they're right or wrong. They're just an opinion. A lot of the time they're subjective. They might hate green because it was their school colour uniform and they're like, I hate green because it takes me back to school. So there's no no reason for it apart from something that's very important to that person. Mm -hmm. But then it takes it to the next steps where we often are doing these reactions just because of one thing without seeing the full picture. And again, there's, it's not that that's wrong or it's right. The beauty of the sort of experience that I had means there's so many different perspectives and it's about working out which is the best perspective that works for you and to design the solution for you. Totally, 100% agree. And hearing that the person hates green is such a huge step to maybe ending up with green or <laughs> something else that they might want, right? And yeah. it's interesting that, you, you know, because you're an interior designer, my other company is a house painting company <laughs> and I've actually designed a color selection system um, to help my clients figure out how to find colors that speak to them. Uh-huh. Um, so I love that uh, you're in that industry. So tell me more about that. So you've actually got some colors and you see which ones they really connect with. Is that how it, how it works? Yeah, I've set up a process where um, and it's super, super simple. I, you know, I've been painting for 25 years and so you tend to pick things up and you know, I used to help, but then I realized I wasn't really helping. I was telling, and then they ended up with a scheme I liked and not necessarily one they liked. And so 
what I just do is, is like three simple rules. Um, and if they follow them, they're going to end up something that they want in their home. So when they walk in, they're just like, oh, I love this. This is me, mm. especially if they're having a bad day and they walk into something they love as opposed to walking into something I love. Mm. And so it, it's just an empowerment thing because it allows them to have some say. Mm. Uh, it doesn't work well outside of sort of residential space. Yes. Because, you know, I can't imagine you going into a corporation <laughs> and saying to everybody, oh, hey, can <laughs> we just work through this process and figure out what makes you feel good? That's not a possibility, really. <laughs> a thousand stop. <laughs> yes. And when we do bigger clients as well, it's not really a possibility there. And what I usually end up doing is giving some color options and then they pick a theme. Sure. Um, but for me, it's that educating people and allowing them to make their own choice and be in control of their decisions that led me to creating that course. And we see, but that then ties back again to talking about what is intrinsic for you is you're basically saying you're doing the same thing with people when you're coming back to accountability. It's yeah. about taking control, having control of your decisions, knowing your part in it. Mm-hmm. You're doing it in your house painting and you're doing it with people painting. <laughs> yeah. And it's so cool because like, you know, when these people, when it's done and they walk in, they're like, oh my God, you picked such a great color. I get to say, no, actually you did. And mm. that feeds into their sense of self-worth mm. because up until that point, they didn't think they could pick anything. Mm. So it's that once we start doing it with ourselves, we figure out ways of allowing other people to see the self-worth in them in a way that they don't need it from us. Mm. And it's just this beautiful um, dance that then goes on between us because we get to support each other without needing each other. Mm. So you do a radio show. What do you talk about on the show? Tell us about that. Um, well, my, uh, I was having a bunch of different people on and we talked about pit bulls and there was a guy who, uh, was a BDSM master. That was his, his livelihood. Mm -hmm. Um, I talked to a gentleman in Detroit who was trying to, um, redo prison reform, like get involved with prison reform there. And it just sort of everybody in between lately, I've been focusing a lot on men's rights and feminism and trying to bridge that gap. Okay. Um, but I like the variety of mm. talking about non-status quo perspectives. And I think, you know, either way, it all leads into what's my part in all of this and, um, and how do I contribute to what's going on around me? So if I'm saying I'm a feminist, for example, what does that actually mean mm. and how am I acting on that? And what is the, the domino effect of those things because we do have a responsibility. If I yell fire in a crowded building, I have a responsibility for what happens. So why wouldn't that hold true if I am um, attaching myself to a movement? Mm. And mm -hmm. so let's talk about this domino effect because it is, um, tell us about how we can get in touch with you and then touch on the domino effect. Sure. Uh, so my website's called dominothinking.com and um, I answer all of my emails. So if anybody has any questions, they can definitely find me on my contact page there. Um, the domino effect is just recognizing that nothing happens within a vacuum. Mm. You know, when you, when we think about lining up those dominoes when we were kids, um, and even now when I see dominoes lying around, I have to stack them up and push them <laughs> over. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is that effect. Like what happens to that first domino impacts all the rest of them. Mm. And if the dominoes aren't set up properly, they might not hit the next domino. And so then what happens if it heads off in this direction instead of that direction? And so while we can't fully predict the outcome, we can at least try to understand that if I walk in the house and I start yelling, these things are going to happen, right? Mm. If I get out of my car at the red light and I start screaming at the person who hit me, these things are going to happen. And do I want that outcome? And, you know, I've worked with businesses about that too, and they implement a policy without even thinking about the ramifications of that policy. Mm. So everything we do has a ripple effect. And I think the more aware we are of what that could be, the easier our life becomes. And that's not to encourage people to never get out of bed because they could step on a bug, right? <laughs> and which could affect the bees and they could go extinct. Like we could get down that spiral sure. and really uh, end up in an ugly place. And it's not that at all. It's just about having some level of responsibility and accountability for the things that we do. Mm. So 50 years time, where do you see yourself? Oh, well, hopefully flying a plane and dating some young man. <laughs> How much younger? <laughs> well, I'll be a hundred. So uh, I'll take what I can get at that point. <laughs> so you have lots of energies, what I'm hearing, which is awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, uh, I don't think growing old is really an option. I think we just... Uh, it's not necessary. I don't think it's part of of the grand plan. Mm. It's interesting you say that because I, I recently turned 50 and uh, someone I was away with said to me, oh, you're old now. And I said, no, I'm sorry. You can choose to believe that, but I don't believe that for myself. Like for me, like that's just a number. And I know people, my, I know people who are 93 and who are still fit and vibrant and doing so much stuff. I also know other 93-year-olds who aren't. And I'm, there's, for me, some of it comes to your mindset. Like the moment I think, oh, well, I'm older now, I'm not as flexible, so oh, I won't go to yoga, then I'm starting to put into place these things which are keeping me old yeah, and inflexible. So why not just look at it and go, oh, I'm getting a bit stiff. I probably should go and do something about that. I'll go to yoga. And, you know, being aware, I'm not saying my body hasn't changed and I'm the same person I was 25 years ago, but I just don't think putting a, a connection to age and thinking that that is it, be all and end all. When I was, my grandma was 50 when I was born. She looked like an old lady. I don't look the same as she's 100 now, like about to turn 100. Wow. And yes, we age, but I don't look anything like her. I look a thousand times younger than she did because back I would not have guessed you were 50 <laughs> at all. <laughs> Thank you. But 50 years ago, people had the blue rinse hair. They wore the frocks, you know, like these days people don't do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going off on this whole tangent, but it's coming back to that whole thing about, well, what do you believe is the name of a number really going to affect how you let that influence you? Is where you live going to influence, you know, how, how does that going to, you're going to make that keep you where you are, the experiences you've had in your life, you're going to make them keep you where you are just because of a belief that you've had? Yeah. yeah. Well, and that brings all back to that whole, what's my part, right? Mm. It's that I can choose to have this life where I'm like all curled up in a ball because I stopped going to yoga 
And that is, I have to be accountable for that choice. Yeah. I have to, I'm the one that made it. You know, I didn't go to yoga this morning. I get to own that decision <laughs> and how the rest of my day played out, right? And my day probably would have been better had I gone to yoga, um, right? But it's that, it, it's acknowledging there is a choice. I made a choice mm-hmm. and that has led me here. So when we combine the my part, that accountability piece with owning the decisions that we've made, combine that with the domino effect, <laughs> Right. We get to be a hundred and young and spry, or we get to be a hundred and, you know, old and decrepit. Like it's, and I agree with you. 50 ain't what it used to be because I look damn fine for 50. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll be 50 next year, but um, my son and I are planning Vegas. So it feels like I'm already 50. But I think about when, you know, when I was a kid, you're right. 50 was old. Mm. But I, uh, but then, you know, I am way too childish to ever get old, right? Like I'm just too rebellious. I'm too, uh, I'm an Aries, so I'm the youngest in the Zodiac, right? I'm just going to, you know, break all the rules because I can. <laughs> and you're going to do it with responsibility and accountability. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to own all of those bad choices that I make. <laughs> I love it. Now, if you've got one thing you can leave with our community, what would it be? Oh God, just be careful with yourself. Like be kind and know that you're a miracle. Like you just spend time thinking about that. Like just sit in the fact that you're a freaking miracle. You shouldn't be here and you are, and that makes you worthy. So go out and be worthy. Perfect way to end. Thank you so much, Alison. It's been amazing speaking with you. Oh, thank you. It's been a treat talking to you as well. A huge shout out to you for being here, for listening in, and being ready to step up to the drawing board. I honour your spirit and your openness to growth. If you have a mate who you think will benefit from hearing today's message, please share this episode with them. Another great way you can support us is to subscribe or to leave a five-star review in iTunes. These reviews really do assist us to raise the visibility of the Design You podcast and helps us to reach Design Yours from all walks of life. I really do appreciate the time it takes for you to do that. So thank you. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Design You podcast. You'll find the show notes over at tinamurray.com. Can't wait to see what you create as you design it, communicate it, and live it.